Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Please note that today's episode will heavily discuss racism, upsetting language, and violence. If you're not in a place to hear about that, then feel free to skip today's episode. Thank you. On April 14, 1993, a TV episode called Racist Kids aired to the world. In it, a young group of white children shocked viewers by saying things like, God is hate, God is not love like everyone else thinks. No, the Bible is full of hate and war. And if only the rest of the world could open their eyes and see it, then they too would know the truth. Returns, that's what I call my God. Uh, he's gonna mark every Jew and they shall be killed. John 8:44 states that they are from the devil, the devil's children. These kids were, as the title of the show suggests, openly racist. They claimed that Jews crucified their God and black people are quote, beasts of the field. Their language was so upsetting, so infuriating, that it seems impossible that these kids simply learned it all on their own as they claimed. Maybe their parents or their church indoctrinated them. Maybe they had friends or community members who taught them this level of vitriol and hate. That part of the story is unfortunately not so clear. But what was clear is that the five kids on that stage, one of them as young as nine years old, were unyielding in their beliefs about killing people of different faiths. And yeah, that's pretty alarming to put it mildly. And as the host of the program put it, one day these kids are going to grow up. We have to deal with this now and address it before their poison is spread. And you may think, well, you shouldn't give these kids a platform. Don't air their disgusting bigoted statements. This episode never should have made it onto people's screens in the first place. But we shouldn't bury our heads in the sand and pretend that this doesn't exist either. It's important to recognize that yes, even kids can hold racist bigoted beliefs and we need to know how to talk about them and understand where they come from. So what exactly did this TV program do? Well, they invited children onto the show, children of all different races and backgrounds to talk to the ones on stage. Instead of this episode being a bunch of adults lecturing some misguided kids about loving others, these children were, more than anyone, able to get on their level. Where do it say in the encyclopedia or anywhere else that um, blacks are not supposed to be in this world or anything? A young black girl asked the kids where they read that black people aren't supposed to exist in the world. And another audience member, a young white boy, told them that even though he's Christian too, he believes everyone is equal. It's moving to watch the young audience members stand up for themselves and for others. Plus, instead of meeting these racist kids with hate, they're confronted with intelligence, reasoning, and compassion. But that's not all though. The show also has victims of racists speak out and tell their stories. One Jewish boy explained that he was bullied, teased, and assaulted simply for being Jewish. Interestingly, when the host asked the little nine-year-old girl if she thought that was okay, the girl explains that no, it wasn't, and she would never do that in front of someone. The host pressed her. So is it okay if you do it behind someone's back? Well, I wouldn't say that in front of somebody and I wouldn't make fun of them just because of what they are. But I mean, they shouldn't make fun of them in front of them. But behind their backs, it's okay? 
know, but... If when you walked out of here, if when you walked out of here... So now, I won't say that this little girl's mind was changed that day, not at all. Right after that, one of the older kids on the stage actually looks this Jewish boy in the eyes and promises him that when her God returns, she'll have no trouble killing him. Now, instead of just talking, I want you to explain to him how one day you're gonna kill him. It's simple, when the, when the time comes and our Yahweh returns, he will go down just like the rest of them. <clears throat> That's a concept. You would have no problem, let's say last night you got the word, you would have no trouble coming up to this young man and killing him. The nine-year-old promises that even when she's older, she won't change her mind. It's a pretty intense and brutal episode. And the parents of these kids, one of them a Holocaust denier, are confronted as well, mainly for their disgusting teachings. The host is far harsher with them and things get heated, but the show still made a point to stop, pause, and inform viewers at home that this episode was not meant to spread cruelty, but to call it out. Now, I'm not going to say that this was all handled perfectly, but honestly, I think this was overall pretty well done. While everyone was treated with respect, racism was still called out and shut down. Plus, this episode didn't simply platform them, it also gave a voice to the dozens of kids that have been victims of racism too. And keep in mind, this episode aired in 1993. Conversations like this are much more common now, but this wasn't happening as frequently as they are today. And hearing this, you may be pleasantly surprised and think that this is a good program, one that we should use to discuss difficult, controversial topics today. So who's the host and what is the program? Well, it's Jerry Springer. If you read the title and if you saw the thumbnail, you know this, and I'm not kidding. Those were the actual early years of the Jerry Springer show. So what the hell happened? How did this talk show discussing political issues and controversies go to the infamous fist fight screaming match program that it became? So I was brought into your society in 1955 uh, in a spaceship from Venus. Why would you sleep with your sister's boyfriend? Because she's not good enough for him. He needs to upgrade to me, uh, to a model. Yeah. <laughs> he may not have a lot of money, but he has a lot of love. Ryan, what's going on? I've come here today, Jerry, to get married. I bring you in when you have nothing. I give you everything I got. Please. Is this how you repay me? You know, I'm sleeping with a little you. midget leprechaun. Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati and today we're gonna to be talking about Jerry Springer. Now, let me start off this episode by admitting that perhaps unsurprisingly, the sources that talk about Jerry Springer and his program aren't really the most reputable. Considering that Jerry Springer was considered a tabloid talk show by the time it stopped airing in 2018, it seems a bit fitting that most of the sources that we're discussing are, well, tabloids. Now, certainly not all of them are, but I just wanted to give you a bit of a heads up as we go along. Moving on, Springer's parents were Polish Jews that escaped Germany during the Holocaust. He had grandparents pass away at concentration camps. According to the Jewish Virtual Library, Gerald Springer, AKA Jerry, saw America as a place where people could live without persecution from a young age. And this absolutely shaped who he was growing up, leading Springer to get both a political science and law degree. In 1968, he even met Senator Robert Kennedy and signed on with his presidential campaign shortly before Kennedy's assassination. So I thank, I thank all of you who made this possible this evening all of the effort that you made and all- Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? No. Is that possible? No. It's good. No. Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen? It is possible he has. Not only Senator Kennedy, oh my God. Senator Kennedy has been shot. 
Robert Kennedy's death made Springer want to make a change in the world to continue on his political vision. NBC wrote, that moment in history compelled him to the political action he has never abandoned. Springer truly took action. He spearheaded a movement to lower the voting age from 21 to 18 in Ohio. He supported the ratification of the 26th Amendment, the one about voting age, and ran for Congress in 1970. Springer was inspired and fought for what he believed in, but a few years later, things started to shift. In 1974, when Springer was a councilman, there was a probe conducted into some of his personal matters. He resigned quietly, citing family considerations, and the abrupt move seemed to shock Cincinnati at large. As it turned out, Springer had hired a sex worker, then referred to as a prostitute by the press. Sure, this was a bad look back in the 1970s, but Springer's earnest attitude saved himself. He was sincere about the whole thing, admitted it, and took a surprisingly honest stance with the public. Now, I can't really say that about many politicians, but this much is true. This won him one of the biggest comebacks in Cincinnati history and got him his seat back on the council in 1975. In 1977, he moved up in politics and served as the mayor, only to later fail his run for governor in 1982. Almost a decade later, his show began and was soon purchased by NBC. You knew when you were talking with the Iranians about getting the hostages And by all accounts, the Jerry Springer show started with very good intentions. Well, intentions to be a thought-provoking show, I should probably clarify a little bit. Please don't deal with the Iranians, don't deal with the terrorists. And even even to this day in in his own memoirs, President Reagan says, we really didn't trade arms for hostages because- Now, one of the first episodes talked about was the social effects of rock and roll, gun control, and homelessness. The Jewish Virtual Library adds, It also featured high profile guests such as Jesse Jackson and Oliver North. To improve the ratings, the network brought in a new producer for the 1994 season and the show began targeting a younger audience. The first couple of years, whether you loved or hated it, Jerry Springer didn't resemble the show it became by 2018. It was 1994 that started to change things for the worst. It seemed like aiming for a younger target audience meant being sensational, tabloid-esque, and no longer tackling meaningful topics. Instead, according to the Victoria Advocate, the program would air episodes debating if small breasts or big breasts were sexier. There were also episodes entitled things like, I want my man to stop watching porn. He wants her to quit bikini contests. And my boyfriend turned out to be a girl. To say the show had some offensive, upsetting, salacious stuff, like that would be a bit of an understatement. The way Jerry talked to and about people had changed and his audience absolutely took note of it. Today, guests are here to tell their lovers that their relationship is over. They say they need to let their lovers know that they want someone else and that they have she no choice but to accept it. But she hasn't been able to stop having sex with his best friend. Newspaper headlines read, Springer sinks talk TV to new lows and criticized the program for its trashy content. The Victoria Advocate wrote, Each day's non-issue is seized upon hungrily by Jerry's guests, a crop of whalers, louts and show-offs planted on stage in their lineup of club chairs. Meanwhile, the host, a former Cincinnati mayor, wades into his current constituency, the hopped up studio audience whose role it is to fan the flames he ignites. Thus does the tackiness unfold and Springer receives it with the dull but solicitous gaze of someone who has spent too much time in topless bars. And that's quite a review. This paper absolutely roasted the Jerry Springer show. And honestly, it was well-deserved. Like the guy went from hosting informative political debates to hosting a woman who believed that she was from Venus, basically just to make fun of her. And yes, of course she is wrong. This woman isn't actually from another planet, but why bring her on the program in the first place? Where do your parents think you came from? 
They know where I came from, Venus. They have the book and everything. It's much more likely that she's either doing this for attention, the money the show offers, or she needs some serious mental help, perhaps even a combination of the three, but none of the options really make the show look good. Perhaps equally alarming are the TV breaks. Before it goes to commercial, Jerry says things like, if you know someone over the age of 13 who's involved with a gang, then call this program. We want to talk to you. 13 who is involved with a gang. If so, give us a call at 1-800-29-JERRY and tell us your story. This video was slightly cut off, so I might be missing some context here, but the point remains the same. The Jerry Springer Show wanted to talk to young gang members. And I'm pretty sure that any young gang member needs real help and support. The thing is, Jerry is no idiot, right? Like we've established that. He's perfectly capable of distinguishing between therapy, community, and productive discussion. But instead, he's opted for mocking and sensationalism. But sure, let's bring a young gang member onto the program. I'm sure nothing bad will happen anyway. But unfortunately, over the years, things did only get worse. I'm pregnant by your man. So honestly, the show became a bit of a train wreck. The people that went on there bragged about how they cheated. Some women bragged about how they were pregnant by men that were already in relationships. Security guards had to keep guests from attacking each other constantly. The audience jeered it on, chanting, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. I mean, it's endless. The show often discussed cheating, but the attitudes, the literal battles and constant name calling and cursing, like it was an actual circus. I don't think there's many other words to describe it quite as well as the word circus. Truly, there was barely a storyline to begin with, but even if you attempted to follow it, good luck, because it's hard to tell what's happening over all the shouting. But it was, as it were, a popular train wreck. The show became even popular than Oprah in the 1990s, garnering almost 10 million viewers every week. I know we shouldn't be surprised really. Sex sells, so why not cheating and violence too? People love to be angry, and Jerry Springer gave them something to be angry about. Now, please note that the next couple minutes is going to discuss bestiality, so please feel free to click away if you don't or can't hear about this. Now, I'm not alone in the feeling that Jerry Springer just glorified the absolute worst of humanity. In the early 2000s, it was called one of the worst TV shows ever made. One of these episodes featured a man who apparently married his horse and explicitly mentioned bestiality. As in, the guy told Jerry in detail how he did it and that when the horse lifted her tail up, there it was in all its glory, that's a fucking quote. And when he finished, it was so good he passed out. So excuse me while I go fucking vomit. To make it, to make it march, eventually after a bad prom date experience, I actually did have intercourse with that little mare the next year. It was, oh, it was great, it was fantastic. It was uh, so good I about passed out. It's truly, truly disturbing the way that this guy talks about a horse. I would love to believe that he's an actor and believe me, we'll get into some of the fakery later, but I don't think there's enough money in the whole world that would make me go on to television to talk about a horse the way he did. There's just not enough money you could pay me to say something like that. Some other, you know, great highlights include a man who said that he cut off his own manhood, another man who said he fell in love with his stepmom and she reciprocated and they got married in a later episode, a mother-daughter duo dominatrix team, a woman that cut off her legs. Like the stories you'd hear are pretty ridiculous. Now, obviously if Jerry had been inviting a whole host of people onto the program to talk about their issues, we'd have a very different story here. But this is the Jerry Springer show, the show that became infamous for its fistfights and screaming matches. And yes, even measured discussion was no longer Jerry's forte because it was really just kind of being a ringleader. He starred in a show that he himself actually apologized for. And that's right. He said he ruined the culture, whatever culture he's referring to, and joked that he hoped hell isn't that hot. 
For years now, Jerry has admitted that he'd never actually watched the program and he just called it silly. But who made it this way, Jerry? Was it you, the audience, the guests, producers? Who was it? The fact of the matter is that the Springer show itself is responsible because allegedly, it's not as if many of these stories and guests were real to begin with. Rumors of fakery are commonplace with this program. And again, it can be a bit tricky to find reputable sources talking about this, but just about anywhere you look, articles say the show is less than genuine and guests have reported that the fights are staged. Real Rundown says that a careful eye can spot that these scuffles look choreographed as they seem to occur on cue, notably when Jerry is out of the way. Some supposed would-be guests have spoken out too, admitting that the fights were staged, and one participant told Daily Star that it was remarkably easy to lie to get onto the program too. But unfortunately for some, Jerry Springer's show was all too real. Please note that this next chapter will discuss murder and incest. So if you're not in the headspace to hear about either of these topics, feel free to leave the rest of the episode. Nancy Campbell Panitz, 52 years old, went on the Jerry Springer show in the year 2000. She wanted to reconcile with her ex-husband who had been sleeping with another woman, but that's not really how the episode was presented. Her ex, Ralph, and his new wife, Eleanor, told Jerry Springer that Nancy was stalking them and couldn't move on with their life. It's hard to know what's true here, but The Guardian claims that the couple went through three years of violent fights, as well as breaking up and making up. The situation was turbulent and Ralph and Nancy even slept together the night before the show. Now, the last fact doesn't really fit the narrative of Nancy being a stalker that Ralph couldn't wait to get away from, but according to Ralph, he had only done it to keep Nancy, quote, illusioned. And of course, to make sure she would appear on the show. Basically, Ralph was a manipulative asshole and he and his new wife mocked and jeered Nancy on television and the audience merely joined in. Springer seemed to partake too, looking at Nancy and telling her that Ralph doesn't wanna be with her. Nancy said, quote, that's fine, bye, and then walked right off stage. Naturally, I don't know the couple's personal life and I'm not sure exactly what happened here, but that really doesn't matter. The show aired and what's done is done. They separated, right? Well, no. Hours after the world watched Springer's audience taunt Nancy, she was found on the kitchen floor of her home beaten to death. The obvious culprits were Ralph and Eleanor. A witness testified she even heard Ralph say that he wanted to choke the life out of Nancy. Ralph's DNA was found under Nancy's fingernails and her blood was on his shoe. While Eleanor insisted her new husband was innocent, this seemed like a pretty open and shut case. Does this mean Springer was responsible for her death? No. On the same day the show aired, a judge also barred Eleanor and Ralph from entering the family home. Apparently all three of them had still been living together, but it was Nancy that won the house in the divorce. Admittedly, I do believe this is more the reason for the couple to go after Nancy than the show. They probably ended up looking better in the episode if the audience was mocking Nancy, so I don't think any humiliation, shame, or regret would have been the motive. But is the Jerry Springer show at all to blame? In my opinion, it didn't help. Jerry Springer fans the flames of an already bad situation. And in this case, tensions were already extremely high between these three and Springer made things far worse, mocking and belittling Nancy when they could have just as easily told Ralph and Eleanor to leave her alone. We all know the advice from talk shows is never going to be the best, but it really seems to have no consideration for the guests whatsoever. Jamie Heisman attempted to rectify this and actually launched Aftercare, a therapy specifically meant for talk show guests. In the year 2000, The Guardian said that he had over 500 patients on his books. Heisman told them, the people who go on these talk shows have got to be pretty intense in pretty heinous situations. These things have been kept private for many years, but they get seduced by the camera. 
Then when the show is aired, all the stigma and shame, which was a private factor, becomes a public factor. The public exposure becomes a huge issue. Heisman added that no, this doesn't mean Springer needs to be banned, but that the massive problems they're talking about on screen need real help, as in Nancy, Ralph, and Eleanor need therapy. The industry doesn't police itself, it doesn't care about the guests once they're off the stage, and doesn't take responsibility for any of the fallout. And sometimes that fallout is, as we've seen, deadly. And Nancy isn't the only one either. Almost all of the articles that I found on this specific case mentioned another one that was recent at the time. In 1995, a young gay man named Scott went on the Jenny Jones show and told the audience that he had fantasized about his neighbor, Jonathan. The latter was in shock. And remember, this is 1995. This kind of thing was scandalous and salacious at the time. It was something to be embarrassed about and not really to be like acceptable. Although the program claimed that the two reconciled, nothing could be further from the truth. Jonathan shot Scott dead a few days later. The year before Springer and his audience taunted Nancy, the Jenny Jones show was ordered to pay about $25 million in damages for their part in what happened to Scott. The two shows share a studio space. So you'd think that Springer would have, of course, heard about what happened and tried to be more careful, but that's simply not the case. Instead, while Jenny Jones and Jerry Springer express regret, more guests ended up humiliated, hurt, or even dead. Their programs aren't pulling the trigger. It's not as if Jerry Springer is the one beating Nancy to death, but in my opinion, they are exacerbating these situations and making them worse. If anyone has ever appeared on this program and genuinely found it helpful or cathartic in any way, I'm not trying to discount that. However, I think that finding violence and screaming helpful is problematic in of itself, and again, warrants therapy. But you don't even have to be on the Springer program to be fueled by it, apparently. Around the same time, a 15-year-old Florida boy said it was the show that inspired him to sexually abuse his eight-year-old half-sister. The 15-year-old also reportedly got his brother, 13, involved, and both of them confessed to repeatedly raping their sister when their mom left for work. Detective Kurt Navarro said that the boy told him he watched a show on incest, so casually, it was just like asking to pass the salt at the dinner table. Though it's not abundantly clear which episode the 15-year-old is referring to, Springer did air an episode called I'm Pregnant by My Brother in the Past, in which a 17-year-old girl told Springer she was pregnant by her 16-year-old brother, but she had fallen in love with her older adult brother. And that's a mess to put it lightly. Now, when Springer asked her if she felt anything was wrong with it, the girl said no. So perhaps this Florida boy took that to heart. A spokeswoman for Springer said that the show had only talked about incest among adults and not kids, unless they're calling these 16 and 17 year olds adults. I seriously disagree with them here. The thing is, if Springer wanted to talk about sibling sexual abuse, its signs, what to do about it and how parents should handle it, he could have done that. Even though this topic may be considered taboo and I fall in that category of belief, um, that doesn't mean that we should pretend it doesn't exist. It does exist and it happens. And it's just like with the racist kids episode but it's the way this topic was handled that's absolute garbage. Now, I don't know if this Florida boy would have done anything different based on the program he watched. He may have still sexually abused his sister without having seen the show too. Jerry Springer isn't directly responsible for those actions. The show is just responsible for the disgusting way they handle the topics. And before we move on to the very quick and concise downfall of the show and its ending, let's take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors because Lord, do I just need a slight refresh on my brain after having to go through that last bit there. It's the most festive time of the year and HelloFresh is here to help you make the most of every moment. From holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. 
It doesn't matter if you're hosting a holiday party or stocking up on snacks, you'll find everything you need at HelloFresh Market. From quick breakfast to charcuterie boards and desserts, it's never been easier to prep for a party or just fill your pantry. Cause I mean, hey, who doesn't like eating cheese? And maybe you're gonna be traveling this holiday season. Well, HelloFresh has plans that work with your schedule. You can change your preferences, delivery day, and address in just a few clicks, or you can use their app as well, which is where I like to kind of do my planning. And if you need some variety in your food and your meal system, they have over 35 recipes every single week to choose from. And they have a little bit of something for everybody from family friendly, fit and wholesome, and even veggie options. So if you're ready to get cooking this holiday season, make sure you go to hellofresh.com casket18 and use code casket18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com casket18 and use code casket18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best artists, icons, and leaders, anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. And Masterclass has some amazing offerings, including learning how to think like an FBI profiler with John Douglas. You can learn the power of personal branding with uh, Kris Jenner if you wanna learn from the Kardashians. And Mariah Carey is on there too, and she's teaching you how to use your voice as an instrument. Masterclass offers over 2,500 classes with over 180 talented and amazing instructors. And when you can learn at your own pace, I seriously mean it because sometimes I literally have like all of five or seven minutes to just kind of listen to something and unwind before I have to like hop into another meeting or a call or something. And I just fill that time with Masterclass and I just learn little snippets here and there and it's really easy and fun. I'm taking a break from the cooking and the food. I think you guys have known for a while now, I've been looking at the uh, Nikki Yamamoto classes where I've been working on how to prepare like a modern Japanese kitchen and food presentation and stuff and wine classes and stuff. And I'm trying to like, learn a little bit of something else right now, but it's awesome because I can literally just go back at any moment if I'm like, hmm, maybe I do actually wanna finally learn how to fillet a fish properly. Like it'll be there and that's awesome. So this season, I highly recommend checking out Masterclass. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and you'll get one for free. Go to masterclass.com casket today. That's masterclass.com casket to buy one, get one free. Terms apply. Stuff laying around like a pile of trash. So he's not the one who should be taken to the curb. Donnell, you are suing your friend Jarek for damage. Jerry Springer was eventually canceled in 2018. Springer himself didn't leave reality TV right away though. Instead, he appeared on a show called Judge Jerry in 2019. At first, the program did well and had high ratings, but the viewership tapered off and ended after just three seasons. Now I did watch a bit of it to see what this was and if it was anything special. I'll be honest, I was kind of hopeful that maybe Jerry had gone back to his roots and was trying to explore like social issues in a more nuanced way. But unfortunately, that was not really the case. It didn't seem to be particularly harmful. It was just kind of a typical cookie cutter reality TV program. It was kind of like a ripoff of Judge Judy, honestly. Although truthfully, they apparently didn't even have a decent set in the budget because of the green screen in some of the episodes is, it's kind of funny. Like if you look at it, you'll see the green screen moments and it's it's kooky, it, it really is. But what I think a lot of this comes down to is I guess people didn't wanna watch Jerry Springer if there wasn't violence in it, which is kind of a weird thing to say and kind of have yourself forcibly be associated with, but okay. All in all, I think Springer was probably one of the worst in television. He aired episodes called I'm Not Gay Anymore, implying that sexuality was a choice. He sensationalized bestiality, incest, and infidelity, and generally speaking, brought out the absolute worst in people. 
or brought out the absolute worst people. Depends how you wanna look at it, I guess. Is it any surprise that we have him to thank for Steve Wilco's show? Steve, by the way, was a security guard on the Springer show and became inspired by it to start his own TV program. They all essentially feed off each other. Garbage reality TV inspired more garbage reality TV. It's just a bit of a shame that Springer could have been so much more. I genuinely believe, like looking at his older episodes, that the way the show turned out was never the original intent. He didn't seem to spur on or encourage violence before 1994, nor was it ever his mission in life. And it's kind of sad because Jerry seemed to want to do good in the world when he was young. But now and looking at his legacy, it's a pretty sorry and pathetic one to leave behind. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It feels to me like he's someone who really could have been maybe one of our greater minds, someone who could have been maybe a bit philosophical or kind of being able to connect theory into reality and showing disparity and like bringing real hard issues in a more entertaining and palatable way. And that just kind of, I mean, you know, I guess money, you know, that's showbiz, baby. But it just sucks. I think it could have been something really cool and uh, that's not what happened here. But the point is, this isn't a legacy that I would personally be proud of. I would be embarrassed of it. But in a little twist of irony, this kind of seems like a fitting legacy because he had a legacy of embarrassing others. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you maybe learned something new. Maybe you didn't know some of the history of Jerry Springer that he's kind of actually a really smart and interesting dude, but looks like just, you know, had uh, money corrupt his intentions and stuff and that happens and that sucks. But that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for sticking out to the very end. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.